0: Well, good morning and Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If, if you're a guest with us today, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, it's just good to be together. It's good to gather in this place. It's good to have many of you gathering with us online as we come and worship together. You know, today is, is the beginning of Holy Week. This is the beginning of Holy Week, this, this week that leads us up to Easter, but, but this isn't just like kind of those last moments to endure to get to Easter Sunday. There is so much significance and meaning in this week, and we're going to be walking through some of that a little bit today. Uh, as we go through this week together, just a reminder, this Friday is Good Friday, and at 7 p.m. we're going to gather together for a Good Friday Tenebrae service, and I just invite you to come and be a part of that. We'll have that online as well for those of you who are joining us that way. And then next Sunday is is Easter Sunday. And we are looking forward to Easter Sunday. We have, uh, we're going to have two services next Sunday. We just wanted to make sure that we could connect with as many folks as possible. And so we just invite you to be a part of that. I just encourage you, if if there's somebody in your life that you have been praying for, that God has put on your heart, just to to use this week as an opportunity to invite them to join you that day, whether it's in person or online, uh, to come and be a part of that. If you're able to, you can go to our our website, svnc.org, and sign up there just to help us plan accordingly. That would be great. Hey, just a couple of things. As you come in next Sunday... If the weather holds, the plan is, is just outside here to have an area where you could take some pictures with your family. And also, now this will be more exciting for some of you to have drip coffee back once again. <laughs> and so if, if the weather changes that, we'll move it, but there will still be a place for pictures and there'll still be coffee, which is hooray, right? And I heard some claps for the drip coffee there. And that is a good thing. That'll be a fun thing. But the most exciting thing is worshiping our risen Lord and Savior. Amen? And so we look forward to that chance to do that together. Hey, I just wanted to share briefly with you as well. You know, many of you have been asking throughout this week, and many of you even this morning have asked, hey, how's Jen's dad doing? How's, how's Jen's father doing? I just want to give you a quick update. First of all, my, my mother-in-law uh, is home and recovering well. Uh, our brother-in-law and niece are off of quarantine and 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 back to normal life again, and uh, Jennifer's dad continues to be in ICU and is still on a ventilator. To be honest, it's been a week of, of ups and downs. It seems like one day it's up, the next day it's down. Some, day, some days it's up and down in the same day as uh, they're he's ready to come off the ventilator in terms of some of the the things, but still not ready. And so they're working through that. And we're just praying that he's able to get off of that soon. And then from that point, just journey on with that. So just wanted to give you a quick update uh, of where we are. It's been a lot of just waiting. And uh, so not always lots of new stuff to share. But we are grateful for your prayers. And uh, we, we certainly appreciate all of your prayers. So thank you very much for... Uh, for the prayers over these last couple of weeks, and for the uh, just the ways you've you've shared your love with us, we are are grateful for that. Well, as I mentioned a few moments ago, today is Palm Sunday. We we get the name for this Sunday because this is the day when Jesus entered into Jerusalem it was the beginning of of this passover week celebration as as jesus entered we think of passages like in matthew's gospel where there are those who are waving the palm branches shouting hosanna there's just this this great processional as as jesus entered into to jerusalem the 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 crowds are saying hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord you know i used to read passages like that and i would think to myself you know, finally, right after all of these chapters, after all of this time, finally, people see Jesus for who he really is. They see him as a king, and that's true to a point. Jesus entered into Jerusalem as a king, but but not as the kind of king that the people were looking for. You know, typically, if a king was entering into Jerusalem, declaring victory. They would enter on a white stallion, which was symbolic of a mighty, victorious warrior. But Jesus didn't enter on a white stallion. What did he enter on? A donkey. Which, if a stallion is a symbol of a victorious warrior, a donkey is the symbol of peace. You know, a mighty, victorious warrior king would enter into Jerusalem surrounded by his mighty armies. And Jesus entered surrounded by a group of peasants and common folk. A mighty warrior king would would enter into Jerusalem ready to ascend the throne. Jesus entered into Jerusalem ready to die on the cross. You know, we gather together today and we affirm that Jesus is king but not the kind of king that so many people were looking for and it's easy sometimes for for us to get caught up in in the temptations to to sort of put those same things onto jesus you know we can want to go from palm sunday a day in which we celebrate a day in which sometimes we've we've filled the aisles with children waving palm branches and there's a temptation to want to go from the highs of this day to the highs of Easter Sunday and forgetting that in the middle, Jesus journeyed to the cross. And if we skip over all of this, we miss out on some of the significance of, uh, of what the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus means for us today, not just what happened 2,000 years ago. You know, see, one of the challenges that we have is... We live in a world that's, that's really, well, I think it's fair to say we live in a world that's intoxicated with power. We see this happen all around us. If we look at the world at large, you see countries trying to, to utilize power to get what it is that they want on the global, uh, the global field. So countries build armies, and they make treaties, and they test weapons, and they make threats, and they do all of these things to try to get their way, to get people to give them what it is that they want. You know, we see people who play with with power even within our country, right? Like, politicians are pretty good at manipulating power to try to get things to work out the way they want it to work out. You know, but, But we struggle with power issues as well. Like, you and I, we, we struggle with these same things. Like, there's temptations. You know, if I, could, if I could just get that promotion, if I could just get that job that I really want, if I could just get a pay raise, then everything else in my life would fit together nicely and neatly, and it would work out. We even struggle with power issues on, on interpersonal relations. You know, that's really at the heart of every fight or every argument I'm right. No, I'm right. You said this. No, I didn't. These back and forth things. Not too long ago, Jennifer and I were in a store. I won't say which store. We were in a store and we heard an argument. And part of me was, I'll, I'll confess, part of me was curious what was going on. And so I was kind of listening in, but, but not really. I, I didn't have to try too hard because it was loud enough where it was very easy to hear what was going on. There was this argument between an employee and, and somebody in the store, and it was this who's right, who's in control, who has the final say. Right? I mean, power issues are all around us. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, we live in a world that that's intoxicated with power, wanting to... To get power for ourselves, because there's this belief if I if I have the right power or I have enough power, I can kind of control what's happening in my life, and things can work out the way I want, and everything will be good. One of the reasons we, we give into this so much is because we've been taught that those with power call the shots. We've been taught that that only the strong survive. And so it's worth pursuing power at every cost. These are the things that we've been taught. And the reason it's so easy to believe these things is because often, at least in the short term, it's true. Those with power do survive, those with power do call the shots. But yet, in Scripture, the question isn't how do we get the power? How do we hold the power? How do we attain the power? In scripture in general, in particular through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, we see that it's not a call to get power. The question isn't how can I get control? The question is how can I serve? It's this reversal of things. The call is not one to power, but the call is not who will be the greatest. The call is who will be the servant of all. Are you following me here? And this is some of what we see happen here. I want to call your attention to a a passage of scripture today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to begin in in verse 5, and if you're able to this morning, I just invite you to stand as we read God's word together today. Would you hear these words of the Lord for us this morning? Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names, so at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth and under the earth, might bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, one of the reasons I think people sometimes struggle with how to make sense of God is because they, they know a little bit about God, but not enough about God. And so they tend to kind of put these things onto God that don't really belong there. Let me give you an example of what, I'm, what I mean here. Any of you ever sing a song, at, like at home, you know, you're washing the dishes, right? You start singing a song, and you don't know all the words, so you just kind of make some up. Anybody? I mean, some of you are laughing. You've at least heard somebody who's done this before. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty kind of transparent person. The person you see here is the person you would see at my home, except for when it comes to singing. You will not hear me sing a solo here, but I do sing in front of my family. You know, a couple months ago, we were watching uh, Mary Poppins. And in Mary Poppins, there's like the scene with, with the chimney sweeps, right? And they're dancing around with their chimney sweeps saying, step in time, step in time, right? And it's just kind of a fun, catchy little song. So when the movie was over, I, I got up and I grabbed one of the kids' toys and started dancing around saying, Betty time, Betty time. <laughs> just making up my own words. You know, the reason sometimes, though, sometimes we do those things for fun, but but often if people are singing a song, they they like the tune, they like some of what they've heard, but they don't know it all, so they just kind of fill it in with things that they think make sense or sound right. You know, the same things happen sometimes with people in terms of their understanding of God. They hear about God, they, they hear these things that sound so good and and, and they don't know God enough to know all that there is, and so they just kind of fill things in. One of the earliest things that we learn about God is that God is all-knowing and all-powerful. Early on, it seems like we're taught these things, that, that the God we serve is a God who is all-knowing and all-powerful. And I understand why, why we want to communicate that stuff, especially early on for people in faith. Because we want people to understand that that when we worship God, we're not worshiping some sort of like lesser God. We're worshiping the God who's the creator of the heavens and earth. We're worshiping the God who can redeem our lives, who can help us to live life more abundantly. We want people to know that. But when we talk about God being all-powerful, if we don't fill in some of the rest of the gaps, we can sing our own lyrics to the song. And what happens is people tend to believe that, that God should always act in the ways that they are used to people with power acting. That's why sometimes you hear people say, you know, I would, I would believe in God, but if God was really God, God should do this. Or well, the reason I struggle with God is because I see these people who are in these situations, and if God is really all-powerful, then why doesn't God just do something about this? You ever hear those kinds of questions? You know, And and we've almost created this to be the ultimate truth about who God is. But as we read in Scripture, and especially as we read in the New Testament, because one of the things that we discover in Scripture is that the clearest picture we have of who God is, is seen in Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we learn about God through Christ is that ultimately, while God is powerful, Well God is knowing, ultimately what God is, is love. That's the defining characteristic of who God is. God is is a God of love, and, and God chooses to live this life of love and be poured out. So here's the thing about love. Love can never exist very long without sacrifice. It just doesn't. There's a difference between love and infatuation, right? <laughs> Infatuation kind of gives you goosebumps, but it doesn't last. Infatuation is, is something that, that is temporary. It's, it's a feeling. It, it promises a lot, but demands very little. Love is much deeper than that. Love demands a lot. Love costs a lot, but love also lasts. And it's greater for that. You know, sometimes we'll say things like, you know, part of love is, is it's not just this feeling. It's it's something that we have to live out in life. So, you know, lo- love is, is being the one who gets up at 3 a.m. to change the dirty diaper. Right, Mark? It's the one who gets up at 3. I hope he's gotten up at 3 a.m. to change the dirty diaper. If not, Heidi, you'll probably hear from Heidi later today. So... Love is the one who does it. L- love is the one who, who scrapes the ice off the windshield even when your car is already warmed up, right? Love is the one who, who drives up and down the streets at night looking for that friend who's struggling with an addiction. Love is, is, is when somebody just holds on to somebody and lets them weep because of a broken heart or broken dreams. Love is lived out in these everyday situations, and and love is a lot of work. You know, one of the places we we would expect to see love most clearly displayed is, is, is in a marriage, right? In a marriage between a husband and wife who've chosen to commit themselves to one another. To commit themselves to one another for a lifetime. And yet, we, we live in a, in a culture where even something like marriage has is, is been defined by, by things like maximum pleasure and minimum sacrifice. That's why sometimes as a pastor, I, I hear people say things like, you know, it just didn't work out. We tried hard, but it, it was just too much for us to do. Or sometimes I hear things like, yeah, you know, we just kind of drifted apart. And so we just stopped loving each other. I've even heard people say, you know, we faced a lot of hard things and we could have, we could have worked through it, but it was going to take so much work. We just decided we we're better off just starting fresh. And so we just quit. You know, as a pastor, sometimes I, I hear these kinds of conversations, even in marriage. And, you know, when when we practice covenantal marriage, there's, there's this reality where what we are doing in that is is we're saying listen i love you which which by definition of that words means that i'm willfully choosing to put you first in my life i'm going to make choices in our relationship that aren't just about me but are for your benefit and for your well-being and i know that making this kind of a commitment is going to cost me time and energy money sacrifice But I am choosing you. I am choosing you over those things. And I'm committed to that. I will stand in the back of the line and let you stand first. I will let you have the last piece of pizza. I'll let you have the last Diet Coke. I'll even let you have the last bowl of Tillamook ice cream. Maybe not the last bowl of Tillamook ice cream, but everything else, right? I mean, you know, love is lived out in these kinds of ways. But here's the thing. What we see in Jesus, especially here in Philippians, is that this life of self-sacrifice is not just the way it should be between a husband and a wife. is not just the way it should be between a parent and a child. In Jesus, we see that as, as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians... We are called to live lives of self sacrifice for those around us. And that's hard. That's really hard. Especially in a world that seems to communicate so much different than that a message completely different. You know, Jesus himself said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus instructs us that that his way is a life of service. This life in which we are called to to live out for the sake of one another. That when things are difficult, when things are tough, we we don't just look to ourselves and say, well, what's best for me? What's in it for me? But, But we ask in such a way, how can I love those people who are around me? How can I love even when it's hard? How can I love even when I've been wronged? How can I love when I've been hurt? How can, I, how can I love when I don't know what else to do? This is the way of Christ. It's, it's what we are called to do. You know, on, on, on Palm Sunday, people were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, they were saying that as a as an anthem or as a statement of praise, but, but the word Hosanna is, is actually also a cry for help. It's a word that means save us. Save us. And in many ways, as we, as we think about this, you know, in a world that thinks that, that salvation, that the good life comes through things like riches and fame. You know, in the gospel story shows to us in, in many ways that this holy week is a picture of what truly saves us. Palm Sunday, Jesus entered Jerusalem with shouts of praise. But very quickly, people realized that he didn't come to give them what they wanted. He came to give them what they needed. And they weren't ready to accept that. And because Jesus wasn't willing to give them what they wanted on their terms, he was killed. But then on Easter Sunday, God raised him up to new life. You know, and in this picture, we actually see... Kind of the, the mask pulled back on things. You know, the world said they wanted a king, but they wanted a king in their own terms. And when it didn't come that way, they just used the terms of power and all of that stuff. And, and it, the world thought it had, had its way. But on Easter Sunday, it was revealed for what it really was. And in Easter Sunday, we come to see that that life actually comes through this way of sacrifice that Jesus lived. And that this is the way that we can experience Life and hope the way it was intended to be. You know, in in, uh, in this passage in Philippians, right before we started reading, there are these kind of four statements. The first one says, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, if there's any encouragement by being united in Christ, well, there's kind of an answer to that. If there is encouragement from belonging to Christ, and there is, Encouragement from belonging to Christ. If there is any comfort in his love. And there is comfort in his love. If there is any fellowship together in the spirit. And what's the implied answer? There is comfort, right? If your hearts are tender and sympathetic, which they should be. Then you should live as Christ lived, humble, obedient, and with love. This is the way that we are called to live as followers of Jesus Christ. To live as people of humility. To recognize that, you know, God loves you just as much as God loves me. And since God loves you just as much as God loves me, that, that means that, that I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to think of myself more than you. I'm going to think of of both of us as people whom God loves dearly. I'm going to walk through life with this sense of humility. And I'm going to commit myself to living in faithful obedience to God. Even when the way of Christ seems to be so much different than what everybody else around me is doing or what the world is saying I should do, I'm going to live in obedience to Christ. And ultimately, I'm going to live my life seasoned in love. Because this is the way of Jesus, and what we see through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is this is the way that leads to true life. Amen? So I just invite you today, but even as we journey through this Holy Week, to allow this to be a time for, for God to be working in your heart and in your life. Allowing God to search you to to examine you, to to help you live a life of of humble obedience, this life that God has called us to live together. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, today we, we thank you on this Palm Sunday that you're a God who's loved us so much that you did not leave us to ourselves but that you sent your son into this world so that we might experience life in its fullness. And God, today, we've come together in this place. We've gathered together in person, online, united by your Holy Spirit. We've come to worship you, and because our heart's desire is to live for you. Lord, today, I just pray that you would help us to live this kind of life, to live godly lives, to live holy lives, to live the kinds of lives by which your love would be made known through us. So God, today, as we enter into this Holy Week, as we journey through this time, Lord, we pray that, that we would be willing to follow you throughout this whole week to live a life of self-sacrifice, to live a life of obedience, to live a life of humility and love. Because it's in that God that we were created to live and to experience life in its fullness. And so God, today we gather together as a congregation and we just offer ourselves to you. We humble ourselves before you and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would do in us and through us what we could never do ourselves. So God, we just say to you today, here we are. We surrender. And we give ourselves for you, for your glory, for your honor, and for the furthering of your kingdom. We ask all of this in your name. Amen.